closer to the athletes, coaches, families, and fans of Cincinnati sports. It's On the Sidelines with Q102's Molly Watson and Lindsey Patterson. Presented by OrthoCincy, the orthopedic authority. We are back on the sidelines this week with uh, somebody who has really, Brandon, I'm going to brag about you a lot here. You're I'll take incredibly it. You. humble. I want to uh, <laughs> talk about how inspiring you have been. I've been following you for a while now in your journey with launching your own podcast, the Mental Game Podcast. Uh, you uh, have battled depression in the past. You've been through some dark times and mm-hmm. you've taken this and, and spun it into something so truly incredible. I, I have goosebumps now even talking about it. You were in broadcasting for several mm-hmm. years. So uh, we have a lot to talk about that yep. we're, we're going to unwrap here. So uh, I want to start off just telling us about yourself. You uh, grew up on the West Side, worked at WLWT as a sports broadcaster for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's go from there. Well, the dream was always to be a sports reporter, and I got to live out that dream. I was really lucky to get a call and come back home to Channel 5 when I was 25 and get a report on my favorite teams, the Bengals, Reds, UC, Xavier, FC Cincinnati, all the high school teams. It was everything that I dreamed of. And, like, I just remember being, like, 12 years old, and for younger people listening, maybe they don't know what this is, but there's a TV with a VCR built in (laughs) and a camcorder and a mic. Yeah, Yeah, and I took it to, like, a seventh-grade football game at St. James, and that was my first ever broadcast. I remember since like starting I, I just I fell in love with it right away and I knew that I wanted to get into sports reporting and I was lucky enough to live out that dream and it's been incredible to do it in my hometown so from there you were in the you had this dream job mm-hmm. were you struggling with depression then and that's when you decided to get out or what yeah. where was the shift uh well I mean the first time I'd ever thought about suicide I was 14 so it goes back to being you know, a kid in high school as a freshman and going through some bullying and, and, and I, I had sent, you know, an inappropriate picture to a girl and that eventually got around to the whole school and just, it, it, it tore me apart. And I'll never forget that night when that happened at a football game, going home and like kind of taking out a knife and just kind of looking at it. And then my mom came out to grab something to, to drink or something in the kitchen. I slammed it away and went to bed, but I never knew that was going to carry on the rest of my life, battling the thoughts of, feeling alone and not wanting to be here and the depression and the suicidal thoughts. But in the Bengals Super Bowl run in 2021, that's when I hit rock bottom. Professionally, I was living out my dream. I was doing the coolest thing I I could ever dream of, getting to interview, you know, Joe and Jamar on the field in Kansas City, smoking a cigar with the players. Zach gave me a a hug at the 50-yard line. Like, I somehow helped them win the game. (laughs) Um, So on TV, I was smiling, and I really was doing some amazing things that I'd always dreamed of. But on the inside, I was really, really struggling. I was at rock bottom. I lost three family members in three months, lost uh, my grandma, my uncle, and then my cousin Ben, who was like a brother to me. He had a heart attack at 32 the day before the Bengals-Titans playoff game in Nashville, and he was supposed to be there with me as Mm. I reported on it. And then at the same time, I mentioned I had always felt alone, and I, uh, you know, being single had always been a big problem my whole life, and I finally met somebody that I thought – you know, we had a chance at being together and maybe getting married one day. And unfortunately, that turned into a, a toxic breakup. And and so all of that combined just put me in this spot where I was suicidal pretty much every day for three, four months. Um, and it got to points of, you know, me realizing I'm not going to live anymore if I don't do something about it. Wow. And um, 
like I said, I've been following you in your journey for a while now because I am someone who has struggled with my mental health mm-hmm. tremendously as well. We can get into that. I'll, I'll open about my journey as well. But uh, you posted something about you were sitting on a bridge. Was it April 2021? Uh, yeah. Somewhere around there. Or last, were, or last year, April 2022. It was 2022. Just last year. Yeah, it was yeah. last year. Wow. And you said rock bottom and then you realized I need to get help. Yeah. So. I mean, I had so many nights throughout the past, I don't know, five to seven years of, of being at bars, being drunk, walking mm-hmm. home and thinking, I'm going to be alone. I'm going to have this feeling of being depressed forever. And during that time period in 2021, it did happen a lot more where I'd be walking home. And I just, you know, would sit there and, and, and look and think about jumping off and it was the Roebling Bridge downtown Cincinnati. I used to live in Covington. I walk home all the time from the bars. And, you know, I, I did that. I, I had, you know, a night where I thought about laying down in traffic outside of um, the casino. And my cousin had to come pick me up. Um, there was a day where I was completely sober and just woke up at like 10, 11 a.m. And, and started bawling my eyes out, wrote a goodbye letter, took some pills I had around around the house and prayed not to wake up. Oh and God. so you just have moments that they keep adding and stacking up and, it just feels like you're never going to end. And thank, thank God that I um, had that self-awareness. And the reason why I, I, you know, I didn't jump or I didn't lay down in traffic was because of my mom. I could never have her, you know, go through that struggle and that, that depression of losing a child herself. And so for me, I, I got to that, that point where I just called her and I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm not going to be alive if I don't check in somewhere. I got to call my therapist. I got to figure something out. Because I don't want to live anymore. And that's yeah. a weird place to look back on at where you were at. But that was me just over a year ago. Wow. And you checked into the Lindner Center for Hope? Yeah, Lindner Center of Hope in Mason. And, and that place saved my life. And, and you know, I, I called my therapist the next day after that final, um, I don't know if that was my final suicide thought, but the final time I was at, you know, that stage of like not knowing what to do. And, you know, she helped me get in there right away. It was a very emotional, um, I didn't want to be there necessarily, but I knew that if I didn't go there, I wouldn't be alive. Yeah. Um, and that's a weird feeling. And so, yeah, I checked in and it really, really um, took me a couple of days to kind of feel comfortable opening up. And you, you go to therapy, you talk to psychiatrists, therapists, you're, but a lot of the time you're in these classroom settings. And, and what's crazy is you look around and there's 20 to 30 people from 18 to 80 years old, every color, every race, every background, but they all have something in common. It's the fact that we're all struggling with our mental health, that we don't want to be here anymore. And so for me, that was like, it it was life-changing and life-saving because what they're teaching you, and this isn't discrediting what the amazing therapists and mental health professionals do, but a lot of this isn't rocket science. It's just that I'm not taught it. You two are not taught it. Our parents weren't taught it. So, like, you don't know how to deal with grief. You don't know about boundaries. You don't know about um, healthy and unhealthy coping mechanisms. And so to have two weeks to focus on that, my problems weren't solved right away, but it certainly helped. I I needed it. It saved my life. Yeah. Spring brings new beginnings, but it can also bring unexpected injuries. Ortho Cincy Orthopedic Urgent Care is more affordable than a busy ER. With five convenient locations, including extended evening and Saturday hours in Edgewood and Anderson, Ortho Cincy Orthopedic Urgent Care makes it easy to get the care you need. Simply walk in, no appointment necessary. 
Visit orthocincy.com to learn more. That's orthocincy.com. You know, this makes me think of uh, my own journey. I have struggled with depression, with anxiety mm-hmm. for several years. And, you know, it's funny with our line of work. Yeah. You would have no idea. No, no. You know, like I've had days where I come in and I'm like, hey, good morning. And then I have a meltdown between breaks. And I... Yep. um. I was in therapy for several years. My therapist, mm-hmm. Melissa, was absolutely incredible. You can't explain, um, you know, what it's like to go through this. And it, it makes me think in high school, I went through a bullying, yeah. you know, phase where somebody was bullying me. She was on the golf team with me. I trusted her. I liked her. And that was the days of the AIM messenger. And she oh, yeah. sent me yeah. a message. She's like, everybody hates you. You're mm-hmm. ugly. Nobody likes you. And that stuck with me. 15 years, you know, here I am in my 30s and I still remember. It scars you. It scars you. And um, that I wouldn't say that was the root of, you know, my anxiety and things I've been through. But um, everybody has something going on. Mine really was, there was no reason. You know, I would just, there's just some people that don't have, um, I I don't know if it's chemicals. I don't know what in your brain to like wake up feeling happy, good to go. It's like everybody has their own struggle. And um, yeah. I feel like you, uh, Brandon brings up a good point because, you know, he even used that Super Bowl experience, a Super Bowl season where everything looks good on the outside, everything professional, everything on social media, because we live in a world where it's a highlight reel when you see that. Yeah. Nobody knows mm-hmm. what's going on inside, how your days are, that it could be rough to wake up that morning. But you know what? You still went to work. You still did your job. And everybody on the outside thinks you're living the dream. Everything is going well. And that's one of the things that we're starting to see. And I'm, I'm so excited about and your podcast. I yeah. think it's huge. We're going to get into that. Yeah, I want to get into yeah, that in just a moment. Sure. But that voice of people speaking up and saying, you know what? It's okay to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Yep. This should be a conversation we shouldn't secretly have. We should open it up. I think a lot of people are, are just afraid to admit of the things that scare them the most and, yeah. and what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys can relate to this. And I love this conversation that we can all relate <laughs> yeah, about broadcasting 100%. in our jobs. Yeah. Is the really, really high highs. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, work is so much fun right now. We're doing this. We're doing that. And then it slows down. Yeah. And that's when I would find myself like, what is my purpose? What am I doing? Yep. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to be better. I need to get to the gym. I need to, you know, we we beat ourselves up. Mm-hmm. And um, it could have to do with this line of work. It has its struggles. It's a demanding. It's a, it's Crazy a lot. hours. Very insane hours. You're not sleeping a ton. You're go, 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 go. And you have to put on a happy face for everybody All else, which, yep. which in turn makes you hurt sometimes mm-hmm. on the inside. So um, I know you've been doing it. Do you have anything else to add to that that... I, I just, you know, I take away from the experience um, at like just going, checking myself in. Yeah. <laughs> um, that whole thing was up and down battle emotionally. And it was two weeks of just focusing on you and figuring out how to better yourself. And, and like I said, take care of your mental health, self-love, all of that good stuff. But the the podcast was was originated from, I put out a letter kind of describing at the end of those two weeks why I wasn't on TV and what was going on. And I was as honest as I was with you about the thoughts of suicide, the specific thoughts of suicide oh, and, yeah. and things that I've been through. And I probably got, and this isn't like, you know, me bragging about people liking it or commenting, yeah, but yeah. I probably got 1,500 to 2,000 direct messages, emails, letters of people saying I had no idea to I go to therapy too, all the way up to a handful of people emailing me saying, hey, I was thinking about suicide and then I saw this letter. Now I want to check in or start going to therapy. When I saw that, it clicked in my head of 
you know what, if this little sports reporter from Cincinnati can can help a few people, what if I reach out to the NFL players that I know with the Bengals or some of the Reds guys or bigger athletes and musicians and celebrities? And so that's literally where it was born. I was talking to my therapist about it afterwards when our, my, you were all on contracts as, as oh, media yeah. people. Yep. And my contract was coming up, and she's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, I, I mean, I love being a sports reporter, but what if we combine the two passions yeah. of mental health and journalism? And so that's where it was born. It's wow. crazy to kind of look back on that now. It's been just over a year since I had the idea and launched it last November. Yeah, the Mental Game Podcast is what it's called. And um, you've had huge names on there. Congratulations. I mean, you've Thanks. had, well, I kind of fangirled over the deep tea. Uh, is that how you say her name? Yeah, deep yeah, tea deep from tea. Love is Blind. <laughs> yes. I loved her deeps. I loved her on Love is Blind. She's uh, amazing and her and I have stayed friends since. We talk a decent That's amount. That's amazing. Yes. And her best friend is a Bengals fan. So during the playoff run last year, we're going back and forth. I'm going to try to get her to a Bengals game this year. Will you please and then call us and let us know? Because yes. I have to meet her. I was a huge fan of hers on Love is Blind. But uh, that was really cool. The Office star, Kate Flannery. You've had Joe Burrow's family on. Mm-hmm. And I think Ocho Cinco, is he coming up? He is coming up. We just announced that with the Kroger Wellness Festival coming up. Um September 22nd, I think. 22nd, 23rd. I know it's that weekend. Yeah, and so, yeah, live, live, uh, Chad and I will be down at the Banks during the Kroger Bonus Festival talking about mental health and sobriety, which is going to be a really cool topic. So how do you get in with these athletes? Do you say, hey, do you want to talk about this? Or And they're just open to? Because some of them are a little bit sure. buttoned up. They don't want to let down that guard. Yep. So how have you been doing this? Uh, it's a lot of calling and emailing. I do some, like, DMing. Um, not really a ton. Kate Flannery, I DMed her. For some reason, I have no idea why she f- had followed me for years on Twitter or X now. And... I just asked and she's like, yeah, I love it. No one's ever asked me about my mental health in an interview. Let's do it. Wow. And it's like, okay, that's, that's really cool. Um, but I spend a lot of hours each week, um, emailing publicists, managers. I, it's just, I think I kind of got it down to a science now. I get, yeah. I get 95% knows everybody that listens and watches just sees the yeses. And I've got some amazing guests on the show, whether it be Ricky Williams, Kate Flannery, Sam Hubbard, um, Kroger's helping me out with with Chad Johnson, and so I'm so happy to partner with them on that episode and that live show. But I just reach out and I kind of, you know how emails are. Oh you, yeah, you want to be back like, and forth, back yeah, and right. Forth. You want to be concise and to the point. <laughs> yep. And like I'm starting to learn it because I'm living it a little bit of the L.A. New York publicist and, and manager and, and that lifestyle in Hollywood. You get a lot of no's from them and they get tons of emails. So you just have to be concise and to mm. the point. But I got a story to tell. And so what I've been lucky is that. When I get these guests on or they see the idea, they they love it because I have the background working in TV. I've also lived it, and I'm very honest. It feels like a safe space. That's what's been cool is I've had, you know, Kate or Ricky or I'll use Asher Grobman, for example, who stars on the CBS comedy Ghost, and he had never talked about suicidal thoughts before, and he gets on my show, and, you know, we're shooting it at his place in New York City, and he just starts opening up about everything. Wow. And and that's what it's been really cool is it seems like each episode, somebody opens up about something they haven't talked about before. And that's the point. And just having that safe space and making them feel comfortable. Like my dream I, I was to be a sports reporter, but also I always wanted to host The Tonight Show. Like that was <laughs> that was my biggest dream. I loved yeah. Jay Leno and, and that's what I was aspiring to be one day. I feel like I'm hosting The Tonight Show just kind of in my own way now that is super impactful and personal to me. 
That concludes part one of our series featuring Brandon Seho. We'll have part two dropping tomorrow. Uh, if you or someone you know is struggling, the 988 Lifeline, you can call or text it as a national network of local crisis centers that provides free and confidential emotional support to people in suicide crisis or emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week.